the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. In the New Testament, we see a similar thing where it talks about how we forgive others. And it says in the New Testament that you should forgive others because God, for Christ's sake, forgave you. The reason we should be so quick to show mercy and grace and forgiveness to others is because God showed mercy and grace and forgiveness to us through Jesus Christ. So what right really do we have to hold a grudge or be unforgiving towards someone when God has been so forgiving towards us? As a follower of Jesus, you should constantly be fighting to be more like Him. Today, Pastor Dan teaches you that one way to do this is to forgive. There'll be people that'll wrong you in big ways. Their betrayal will cut deep. But nonetheless, as a Christian, you're called to move past the grudge and to forgive them. If you find yourself struggling to do this, focus on the things that Jesus has done for you. He gave his life for you so that you could be forgiven of the wrongs that you'll commit. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Jeremiah chapter 34 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. One of the reasons they're mentioned here is because these two cities were very strategic cities geographically. These two cities controlled the highway that came up from the south, from Egypt. And so once Nebuchadnezzar conquers those two cities, Lachish and Azekah, he's got total control of the highway. And he will be able to prevent the Egyptians, which is it's another superpower. He'll be able to prevent the Egyptians from invading into the land of Israel from the south. Once he conquers Lachish and Azekah, he's got total dominance now, total control. In modern warfare, you know, you hear about air superiority, gaining control of the air before you send troops on the ground. And that's important. Well, that's, that's the equivalent here in the ancient world. This is a version of that. But instead, of course, instead of establishing air superiority, the Babylonians, they want to control the major highways. So they can keep any other army out, in particular the Egyptians. And these two cities were to the south and to the west. And they controlled that road coming up from Egypt. So once they're able to capture these two cities, then they have... Jerusalem completely cut off and the people of Judah cut off where nobody is going to be able to get to them to help them. They're on their own against the Babylonians. So that's why they're mentioned here. 
Verse 8 says, this is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord after King Zedekiah had made a covenant. Now watch what it says. He made a covenant with all the people who were at Jerusalem to proclaim liberty to them, that every man should set free his male and female slave, a Hebrew man or woman, that no one should keep a Jewish brother in bondage. Now when all the princes and all the people who had entered into the covenant heard that everyone should set free his male and female slaves, that no one should keep them in bondage anymore, they obeyed and let them go. But, verse 11, afterward, they changed their minds and made their male and female slaves return, whom they had set free and brought them into subjection as male and female slaves. Now, according to the law of Moses, uh, a Jewish slave owner, a Jewish master, had to free his Hebrew slave at the end of six years. You could only keep the slave for six years. If you want to turn with me back to Exodus chapter 21, we'll look at a couple passages together about this. Exodus 21. So this is, this is what their law says about owning a Hebrew slave. Exodus 21 verse 1. Now these are the judgments which you shall set before them. If you buy a Hebrew servant, so it's a fellow Hebrew He shall serve six years. And in the seventh year, he shall go out free and pay nothing. If he comes in by himself, he shall go out by himself. If he comes in married, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master has given him a wife and she has borne him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters and he shall go out by himself. Now look at verse five. But if the servant plainly says... I love my master, my wife, and my children. I will not go out free. Then his master shall bring him to the judges of the city. He shall also bring him to the door or the doorpost. And and his master shall pierce his ear with an awl. You guys know what an awl is, right? It's like a screwdriver that comes to a point. Pierce his ear with an awl. He should bring him to the door of the doorpost. And his master shall pierce his ear with an awl, so he's going to lean up against the doorpost of the house. And kids, kids, you guys can do this tonight when you get home from church. You know, you can do it to each other. Just lean up against the doorpost, the door frame, and put that all up there and give it a good whack. And he shall serve him forever. And it goes on here to talk about the laws concerning slaves. So, to, so if you have a Hebrew slave, you're to keep him for six years or keep her for six years, and then you set that slave Free, unless, unless verse 5, that slave says, you know what, I love my master and my master provides a better life for me than I can provide for myself. I'd rather stay here and serve my master instead of going free on my own because the life I have here serving my master is better than any life I can provide for myself. Then you do that voluntarily and then you would have your ear pierced by your master in front of the judges of the city. So you're declaring to the judges of the city, I'm choosing to be a slave for the rest of my life to this master. That was called a bondservant or a doulos. In the New Testament, when the Apostle Paul talks about himself and he talks about us, he describes us as bondservants to Jesus Christ. We're slaves by choice. 
because Jesus provides a better life for us than we can provide for ourselves. And we're better off serving him than trying to make it on our own in this world. And so we voluntarily enter into this relationship where we agree to serve Jesus for the rest of our lives as bond servants, slaves by choice, because we love our master and he, because he's so good to us. Now, flip over to Deuteronomy chapter 15, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the fifth book of your Bible, Deuteronomy 15. Verse 12, if your brother, a Hebrew man or a Hebrew woman, is sold to you and serves you six years, then in the seventh year you shall let him go free from you. And when you send him away free from you, you shall not let him go away empty-handed. You shall supply him liberally from your flock, from your threshing floor, from your wine press, from what the Lord has blessed you with, you shall give to him. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this thing. I command you this thing today. And if it happens that he says to you, I will not go away from you because he loves you and your house since he prospers with you. Then you shall take an awl and thrust it through his ear to the door, and he shall be your servant forever. Also to your female servants, you shall do likewise. So here again, the command is after six years, you let the slave go free, and the, the master is commanded to, to not let them go away empty-handed, but supply him liberally. And the reason you were to let your slave go free, and the reason you were to supply for their, their needs is because the children of Israel were once slaves in Egypt themselves. They were also slaves. And so here, this is the law regarding slaves. They should only serve for six years and then set free. Now, go back to Jeremiah. Jeremiah 34. The Jews had not obeyed this law. They had, they had Hebrew slaves but they kept them longer than six years. They never set them free. But now, now in chapter 34 of Jeremiah, they, they haven't observed this command and freed their slaves ever. But now, it's the final months of the kingdom. Jerusalem is about to fall. And now, the king decides to issue this decree that everyone should set their slaves free. And... Do the right thing and set their slaves free. Now, why? Why did they do this? Why, why free the slaves now at this point? The city's under siege. Why do it now? Well, the text doesn't tell us why Zedekiah issued this decree at this point, but there's a couple possible reasons. First of all, it could be they wanted the slaves to fight with them against the Babylonians. And so they set them free so that they would fight with them in the battle against the Babylonians to fight to keep their freedom that they, they have and defend the city of Jerusalem. You know, in the, in the final weeks of the U.S. Civil War, when it was very apparent that the Confederacy was going to lose unless things dramatically changed, the Confederacy decided to 
enlist slaves to fight in the Confederate army. Uh, Literally just a few weeks before the South uh, surrendered to the North. So they never actually saw any action. But in desperation, the Confederacy offered freedom to slaves who were willing to fight for the Confederacy. And their thought was they would rather lose their slaves to protect everything else then keep their slaves and, and lose everything. But it didn't, it didn't matter. It didn't work. But it was kind of this last-ditch effort and a desperation effort. Uh, and that's kind of what Zedekiah could be doing here. This could be a desperate last-ditch effort for the people of Jerusalem to now let, you know, free the slaves so the slaves will fight alongside us for our city. That's one possibility. You're listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City, Maryland. We'll return to the second half of today's message in a moment. But first, here's a word from Pastor Dan. It's my privilege to share the Word of God with you through our radio ministry, Ring of Truth. Thank you for tuning in each day. Hey, I would love to hear from you. Will you take a moment to email me to tell me how these daily studies have ministered to you? I want to hear your story. You can email me through our website at calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan. Now let's join him again for the conclusion of today's edition of Ring of Truth. A second possibility could be uh, that they decided to free their slaves. The reason could be a very practical one. Uh, because then the masters would no longer have to provide for their slaves. At this point, there's a famine in the city. They're cut off by the Babylonians. People are starving to death. There's pestilence. There's no food. And so it could be that the masters just turn their slaves free because then they don't have to provide for them any longer. So just a practical reason. But the most likely reason, the most likely reason they freed their slaves was an attempt to bargain with God or negotiate with God. As people sometimes do. As people sometimes do when they face tough times, then they start to bargain with God. God, if, if, you'll, you know, if you'll deliver me from this, if you'll get me out of this, I promise I'll start going to church every Sunday. I'll start reading my Bible Every day. I'll pray an hour before bed every night. I'll tithe 10% of everything I make. I promise I'll be a a good husband and a good father. Just a a good person. If you get me out of this. There's an old old Burt Reynolds movie. I don't don't know what it's rated. But uh, don't look it up. Um, But in in this movie, he's, he's, uh, he's at sea. He's lost at sea. And he's, he's going to drown. And he starts crying out to God to save him. And he's negotiating with God as he's trying to swim to shore. And the shore is a you know, great distance off. And he's saying, I'll give you 50% of everything I make. And then he says, and let me just point out, nobody gives you 50% of everything they make. But I'll give you 50%. And he, he makes it to shore. And as he gets to shore, he says, I'll give you 10%. I know I said 50%, but let's start at 10% and we'll just kind of go from there. Right? And we get in a difficult spot. We start negotiating with God. 
And then what happens when we get out of that difficulty? We forget what we promised, right? I remember the Sunday after 9-11, after the 9-11 attacks, every church was filled. Filled. And for weeks after the 9-11 attack, churches were packed. But after a few weeks, people realized that the, the danger wasn't imminent, that there wasn't going to be another attack, and the numbers kind of started going down. People stopped showing up. And everything kind of went back to normal. Right? That's what we do. That's what people do. They start negotiating with God. They start bargaining with God. They try to, they try to make a deal with God, like God's Monty Hall or something like that. And, and then once, once you realize, all right, I'm saved, then things aren't going to be as bad as I thought they might be. And then you kind of back off on the promises that you made. And here, here the children of Israel, the, the people of Judah, uh, you know, the Babylonians are outside the city wall. They're building their siege ramps. Everything's about to collapse. And so now Zedekiah says, we need to free the slaves. God commands us to free the slaves. And, you know, God, look, we're, we're doing what you command us to do. You've accused us of not keeping your word. Hey, now we're keeping your word and we're going to free all the slaves just like you told us to do. But then what happens, what happens is the Babylonians will back off from their attack against Jerusalem because the Egyptians come up before they capture Lachish and Hezekiah, the Egyptians invade. So now the Egyptian army invades Israel. The Babylonians have to pull back from attacking Jerusalem and deal with the Egyptians. And once the Babylonians backed off of attacking Jerusalem, they took all their slaves back and made them slaves again. That's what it's talking about here. They took all the slaves. They enslaved all the people that they had just set free. (laughs) You know, there's no longer a threat. And so they went back to the way they were living before. Disregarding the commands of God and oppressing the poor and the helpless. Again, verse 12, or verse 11. But afterward, they changed their mind and made the male and female slaves return whom they had set free and brought them into subjection as male and female slaves. Once the Babylonian army pulled away, well, they said, no, no, you guys got to be slaves again. And they enslaved everybody again. Therefore, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, verse 12 saying, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I made a covenant with your fathers in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, where they were slaves, saying, at the end of seven years, let every man set free his Hebrew brother who has been sold to him. And when he has served you six years, you shall let him go free from you, But your fathers did not obey me, nor incline their ear. Then you recently turned and did what was right in my sight. Freeing the slaves. Every man proclaiming liberty to his neighbor. And you made a covenant before me in the house, which is called by my name. So they made this covenant in the temple in Jerusalem. Then you turned around and profaned my name. And every one of you brought back his male and female slaves whom he had set at liberty at their pleasure and brought them back into subjection to be your male and female slaves. Again, verse 12, God reminded them that they were all slaves in Egypt formerly. Their fathers were. And God brought them out of the house of bondage, out of their own slavery. And and so they should have compassion. 
on slaves. They should have compassion on slaves. This is why he established this law to begin with, that they should only keep their slaves for six years and the seventh year set them free because they themselves were once slaves. They should send them out with goods and provision because they themselves were slaves in Egypt. And so they should have had compassion towards those who were slaves. You know, in the New Testament, we see a similar thing where it talks about how we forgive others. And it says in the New Testament that you should forgive others because God, for Christ's sake, forgave you. The reason we should be so quick to show mercy and grace and forgiveness to others is because God showed mercy and grace and forgiveness to us through Jesus Christ. So what right really do we have to hold a grudge or be unforgiving towards someone when God has been so forgiving towards us? The children of Israel, they, they were slaves in Egypt, so they, of all people, should have compassion for slaves. In verse 14, God reminded them of what His command is regarding slaves. That they should be set free after six years of service. Now, let me, let me say that slavery in ancient Israel was not like the horrific slavery that we had in our nation's history. Uh, in ancient Israel, there were four basic reasons why a Hebrew became a slave to a fellow Hebrew. And they were all related to economics. If you were very poor, you could sell yourself as a slave to learn a trade or to learn a skill, kind of like an indentured servant. Or an apprentice. And so you would sell yourself into slavery for six years to acquire skills or to acquire trade. Even in the ancient world, doctors were slaves. And that's how they, you know, doctors served as, or slaves were doctors. So that would be one reason. If you were just very poor, it was a way of improving yourself in a sense by learning a trade. You would serve a master for six years and then you could go out on your own. Another reason would be if you had debt that you could not pay, then you would enter into servanthood to the creditor to pay that debt. The Bible says the borrower is slave to the lender. In some cases, that was literal. You had so much debt that you couldn't pay, you then went and you served the person that you owed the money to. So that was another reason why Hebrews became slaves. A father, third reason, a father might sell a daughter as a servant into a home of a wealthy family with the intention that she would eventually marry into that family. So again, to provide a better, a better quality of life for your daughter. And then finally, the fourth reason, a thief who could not pay back what they have stolen. They could not make proper restitution. They were required then to serve the person that they owed the money to, to make restitution for what they stole from them. And so th- those were the reasons in the ancient, ancient Israel why a Hebrew would become a slave. Again, they're all related to economics, all economic reasons. And according to the law, the slave was supposed to be set free after six full years of service. But again, the people of Israel just did not observe that law. They didn't set their slaves free. They kept them in slavery. He asked me how I know and I said 
When you look at the book of Jeremiah at a glance, it seems like the overarching theme is judgment and negative consequence. But as you take a closer look, you're given a microscopic lens into the heart of God. Yes, there was judgment and eventual exile. But think about how long-suffering and patient God was in giving them multiple chances to repent from their ways and separate from their sin. What an amazing and hopeful picture of God's heart toward you. He is just and fair in handing out consequences to those who willfully go against what he's offering. But like a patient parent, he gives grace and mercy when you vacillate between following him and venturing elsewhere. Ultimately, God wants you to choose him wholeheartedly, and he wants to bless you. Take the book of Jeremiah as a continual reminder that God is gracious and merciful but he'll bring judgment on those who refuse his ways. If you want to talk to someone and better understand what all of this means, don't hesitate to call us at 410-491-4592. That's 410-491-4592. We're so glad you joined us today on Ring of Truth. Feel free to study this book on your own in the meantime. In our next edition, Pastor Dan will share more from the book of Jeremiah and provide a deeper understanding of how to apply it to your life here on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that craft and what I know because I know his voice and it only takes Rings true.